Welcome, guys, to the PTMA podcast. Another edition of live Q and A. Some of the check-ins from the guys on the group uh, coming into their week six now. So the last week of the group, and then uh, there is going to be a little break between intakes. Next one's coming up in September. There's a lot of stuff we're going to be doing with the current guys on the Facebook group um, in between there and some development. <clears throat> like always, guys, if you have any questions, any feedback, please use the email in the show notes. The questions or majority of the questions are in the show notes, there's quite a few, so uh, not all of them are fitted in. And like always, if you feel that some of the answers we went through resonates with yourself or any colleagues, then please share, tag us in on any social media, let us know uh, how we can do this better for you. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Let's go. Let's go. Do you want me to ask the first question and have a change to the routine? By all means, Anthony. All right, are we ready? Because it's a beast and beast of a question. I have an obese client I am working with. From the start, have made sure the client has complete autonomy and built the plan around what they have felt they could do. Given them daily accountability um, that they requested, goes well for two weeks, then ghosts me for a week. And get back, gets back in touch, etc. We get on a call from the start. She said she has given herself two years to lose weight, what she needs to, which is great that she is realistic. However, even we've talked about doing it in small chunks, just to focus on the actions each day, she continues to get demoralized by how much she has to lose, which causes the ghosting slash self-sabotage. But she doesn't want to give up, which is great. The hardest part is just she's just so tired all of the time. Only sleeps four and a half hours a night, gets home from work, three, then naps for two hours because she's so tired. Currently, we are trying to get her to do go to bed a bit earlier and reduce the nap time in the afternoon, as that is impacting her feeling tired for bed at night. Nutrition-wise, we are just concentrating on getting three meals a day as she was not eating until she'd get home from work before she'd nap then dinner, then late night eating as she was staying up so late. Movement wise, we are working on getting in 10 minutes of walking when she gets home from work before she naps. My hope is this perhaps refreshes her enough to perhaps not need a nap and therefore bring her bedtime, uh, bedtime forward as she will be tired enough for it. I am really trying to get her to focus on how she feels as often in those two weeks, she's noticing improvement in energy, etc. But then this ghosting and self-sabotage kicks in. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Hmm. Um, okay. God, we could dig into this so much. I think the first thing is it definitely sounds like you're doing the absolute best for this person. That's the first thing I would say. So I think there's there is going to be, you know, when people when people go through that um, those chain those stages of change, 
there's there's a certain point where people relapse and go back to kind of pre-contemplation and whatnot. Um, and that's I think you've got to to some degree kind of accept that that's obviously happening right now and it's going to happen probably for um, the next few months at least until she kind of feels that it's essentially that sense of competence isn't it so I think to help her achieve that first of all I think you're doing the right thing in the inputs I think simple things like and I'm sure you're doing this already but like having really strong affirmations on the things she's doing well, however small, however small those wins are. Um, I think positive reinforcement with those as well is going to be huge. Um, I think also maybe framing a little bit and trying to understand what the triggers are for her to feel like she's got to stop and she's got to regress and she's she's failing and self-sabotage like you said so i think that that's one of the things i would i would point out where i would dig into a little bit both for herself 100 for her self-awareness but then obviously for you as well um so definitely affirm by go crazy on the affirmations when she does something right um positive reinforcement I think find out what those triggers are that are making her feel like she's got to regress and, and stop. Um, I think because ultimately that you we're trying to find out the competency level that she feels and she's not feeling successful in what she's doing, then she's going to regress. So definitely that. Um, I I would probably suggest because when I'm hearing that kind of overview the only thing that sticks out in my mind which you pointed out in that is the sleep side of things um so i'd look to i mean look i think if food is kind of there and thereabouts like you know she's getting the three meals in she's getting a 10 minutes walking in you know 80 percent of the week I would just, I would just, yeah, focus her on one thing, and that would probably be the sleep more often than not, only because you know what impacts that gonna, that's gonna have on her day, her mood, um, her energy levels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when it then comes to more movement and um, autonomy of doing that more, she'll be, she'll be in that position. So, yeah, I think off the top of my head, I think those kind of things I would. I would say, but also do you're doing a hell of a lot of the right things as well. Absolutely. Anything to add? No, I think like Michelle, you're doing a hell of a lot of the right things. Like Nick said, like obviously in this scenario, it's more important than ever to stay as possible as the coach and ask open any questions. Like Nick said, deliver the affirmations and really pull out what's the client can do for themselves uh, letting them highlight and identify um, and be self-aware of the triggers that they've got um, is clearly like massively important for this person and i also would explore what success looks like for them if, if a trigger is for example have stood on scales and they've, not, they've only lost a pound and they wanted to lose three or four pound maybe of what that three or four pound would look like for them to achieve that and 
discuss that with them in like how they would feel to kind of live that type of life and stuff like that, because that would potentially mean lower calories. It would potentially mean more move. Well, it's going to mean more movement, more visits to the gym, that type of stuff. And for this person, when they see and explore that, they might see how potentially unrealistic that is for them of where they're at right now. So a lot of what you're doing, um, take into account what Nick's just said, and then maybe just explore what success looks like to them and give them a visible of kind of, this is what it would look like in regards to what you would need to do. How would you feel about that? Because you never know, they might take a stab at it um, and they might surprise you and themselves and they might over two, three, four weeks, they might lose a, a hell of a lot about amount of weight and that kickstarts that level of motivation. But the dangerous part about that is obviously it's still going to slow down at some point. Um, and how sustainable that is, is another conversation to have with them. So yeah, I think you're doing a lot of the things right. So try not to stress too much and be confident with what you're delivering. Um, and yeah, that's about it really. What do you say is a good rate of checking for clients 50% or above compliance? Um, I'm going to be quite direct here, I think. <laughs> I'd say above all day. I, I, I personally wouldn't be happy with 50%. Um, understandably, most some of your clients might not need a check-in. So first of all, you need to consider that. You need to think about, again, it goes back to the, the person's triggers, um, what you've identified, their triggers, barriers, um, and things align with that feature of your service. So like, do they need it or do they absolutely not? Some of your clients will potentially need a check-in for the first every week for the first four to six weeks. And then some of them potentially can go bi-weekly and then just a monthly review. So it very much depends on how you view it. It depends on the client and so on. Um, but in general, I'd be looking for more than 50%, if I'm dead honest. Um, I don't think we could turn around and say the golden number is X. Um, clearly, there's going to be some people that don't fill it out. Um, but that's going to be a reflection on how well you've communicated it and how clear you've been and how much you've aligned that feature to, um, like I said, a trigger, a pain point, a barrier that they have and how the feature naturally meets the need of the client. Because as soon as they see that, they'll start to have it, hold it in high value and then be a really solid part of their week and they'll have no reason to drop it unless they've seen great success and they feel like they don't need it as much as a weekly occurrence. So, so yeah, I would try and go to the drawing board a little bit and go, right, how can I support my clients to be more adherent to this check-in? In fact, use that, use that accountability sheet that we've got on the dashboard. Um, use that accountability sheet, self-assess your clients, maybe put a question on there like, are they filling in the weekly check-in and rate the ones who are and aren't. Look at the ones who aren't and go, right, do they need it? Because some of them might not need a weekly check-in. And the ones that do need it, then have a conversation with them and then build the value back into the check-in. You may need to condense the question slightly. Uh, you need, may need to customize it for that individual person to get them bought into it to then take the generalized one that you've got for everyone else. So yeah, I would, I would hope for more personally than 50%, but look at how you can um, maybe deliver it better in your onboarding process, but self-assess it now. Anything you'd add? No. Do, 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 do. Had a few inquiries about online training and was wondering how I would move to this. Um, okay. So if you've had exactly the same way you would train someone face to face with the obvious differences, 
um, you know, I think if you have those inquiries, I think you've got to assess what that what level of support people need. Now, obviously, obviously, you're not going to have that face to face um, opportunity to coach them. So, digging into the detail of like preferences, programming, all that exercise, what they've got available, kit, where they go, blah blah blah, time available. I think you're going to need a lot more detail from the start so that you can program appropriately. So depending on what the client's um, level of ability is, what they're looking for, what their biggest struggles are, um, build out the service from that, mate. So, you know, the programming side of things, um, you know, you've got to factor in and have an understanding of their ability, their level, their experience, because one thing you want to make sure that program is, is first of all, safe for them to do by themselves. Um, secondly, understandable and to a large degree kind of convenient so they can actually like apply it and do it. And there's not too much messing around in between, um, confused on exercises, etc. So for the movement side of things, I would definitely get a lot more detail and maybe use that first week of them working through that program as a very a very short review that you do on that program. So you can catch it early if there's anything they're not sure about, blah, blah, blah. Um, definitely use, definitely use software, PT software, whatever that is, my PT hub, PT distinction, true coach. Um, with videos and ability for them to kind of maybe add some comments after the workout, keep accountable to do it, um, and then explore the other areas as well. Obviously, you've got the nutrition side of things, which, again, you're not going to have that opportunity maybe you might have where you can talk a little bit here and there about nutrition when they're in the sessions. So, again, layer that on if they need it as an, as an additional a part of the program. And then you've obviously got the accountability through the check-ins as well, so that how they check in, when they check in, and more importantly, how, how and when you give that feedback is really going to be important. So structure, accountability, um, and to a certain degree, the coaching element of it. Um, yeah, analyse their needs in that consult, lay it out. Same monthly charges, same minimum amounts, etc. etc. Anything to add? Nope. Let's go. Next question. And a few clients I'm struggling with check-ins. I read it. I've read it more about it. Communicated that they don't benefit me. And tried to convey to the individual how it benefits them, but still have people just ignoring it. Try to trying to change checking process, make sheets so they can see progress. I've adapted it to days which suit the individuals too. Okay, cool. Um, obviously, this is a common issue. Um, it seems to be coming up more and more. And not what happens is it's because you've got busier and busier as a personal trainer. And then sometimes it just becomes a bit of tell at the start, like 
you'll need to do this check-in every Friday at 12 o'clock, fill it in, all of that type of stuff. And normally that then weans itself out over time when they become less motivated to do it. Um, I think, first of all, just truly believe that it's not your clients trying to take the piss or they don't want like it's not they just really don't see how it's going to die how it's currently directly benefiting them um, and it's just have this as a learning process this is for any feature in your service going forward um, but to give you something to go away with and hopefully apply and get some results off the back of i think first of all it might not sound like the common answer to give but then for the ones that aren't doing it i would honestly right now scrap it and don't even talk about it and then what i would do is i would make sure with them people i'm having at least a monthly review face to face right and the types of questions i'd be asking is obviously them open-ended kind of autonomous based questions where you'd be like how do you feel the month's gone what barriers do you find um you've had to come up against this month how, how have you felt you've been able to overcome them okay cool going into next month if they arise again what do you feel that you can do to get over them? What support would you need from me? Now, them types of open-ended questions, will probably, like you'll probably get responses from clients regards to struggle to stay consistent, not being great with my food, uh, struggle with accountability and motivation sometimes. And then that helps you dig in and go, okay, cool. What is it you feel could help you with those things? And then the client can explore well, the types of things that they could do. They might come up with options. Or if they struggle, you can give options. And one of them options might be the weekly check-in to bring that back in either in a weekly or a bi-weekly basis. So what you've done is brought up the conversation and monthly review, brought up their struggles. It's been completely done off the back of the client. So they brought up what they're struggling with currently and why they're not getting results or what's slowing them down, what's hitting a plateau. You've then presented options, one of them being a weekly check-in. The client goes, yeah, do you know what? I know I started well with that, so I'm going to start doing it again. Okay, cool. What does that look like for you? Is it best weekly or bi-weekly? Weekly. Okay, cool. Do you want me to talk you through it now? Then you can guide the client through it. And what you've done there is gone, right, let's completely forget about it. Let's completely scrap it. I'm not going to talk about it. And all you've done then is pick the client off. And when you pick the client off like that, they've started to establish how valuable that feature is. So they really then start to understand, well, actually, yes, I've got these problems and this aligns with a solution to them problems and helps with it. And then you coach it through thoroughly and then that client becomes a little bit more competent with that process and sees the whole value behind it plus your feedback process to it. So I would do that for the clients that aren't doing it at all. Um, so yeah, get it out, like just get it out of the way, make sure you have the monthly review and go from there. So I would definitely go with that approach personally. Um, then what I would also do for the ones that are potentially doing it, if you've got a client group, just make a thing about it, like amazing to see that these people have done their check-ins this week. Um, off the back of it, what I've learned is X, Y, and Z, and you can obviously put some anonymous barriers. What they're going to do for it is this. Their biggest wins have been this this week. Amazing. Thanks so much for feeding that back in. And they're starting to see how you're celebrating the success of it as well. So a combination of them two things should reignite, hopefully, a bit more of, a, of them to be engaged to do that process. Now, also, the last thing I'll say about this, and I'll pass on to Nick to see if I've missed anything, but um, like I've said before, it's not for everyone. Not everybody needs it. Um, so analyze and self-assess who does need it by going into the accountability sheet on the dashboard, self-assessing your clients again, rating them against a few things, putting weekly checking in there as well. Who's doing it, who's not doing it, who needs it, who doesn't need it. Have that self-assessment and then make a plan accordingly off the back of that. Anything you'd add, Nick? 
I need to I need to get the clients to do that as well. So that you're making sure you're aligned with them and also you know, you might be thinking they're doing terrible in one thing, they might be thinking they're doing amazing in that thing. And so you're on two different paths there. So, so yeah, that's the only thing I'd add. Solid. Next question. For group content, would you say life, you can have set themes? One second. Where am I? For group content, would you say life, you can have set themes on days, example? Oh, like that is like you can have set themes on days. Example, Monday asking what everyone goal, everyone's goals are. Tuesday, technique focus. Thursday could be a different theme each week. Friday wins for the week. Add a Q&A and et cetera. Suggestions from this. Sure answer, yeah. <laughs> um, I think if it gives you that, if it gives you that consistency and, and focus um, and also gets your clients used to you showing up on different days based on those themes um you don't thing is you don't have to label it also that's the one thing i want to throw out there you don't have to kind of label it as a thing it could just be your own schedule um to help you kind of stay consistent with the content and help you put inputs in so um so yeah i think i think any suggestions on what you could do Monday, what's everyone's goals? Yeah, Tuesday, technique focused. Yeah, Thursday could be a different theme each week. Maybe nutrition. Um, Friday wins for the week, 100%. A Q&A. Q&A there and thereabouts, maybe Wednesdays. I haven't got... There's a million and one different things you could do, but I think the key thing is, is set yourself a format like you've done there. Do it, be consistent with it for a good, you know, month or two and see the return and see how that kind of develops. Because what you'll probably find is that as you're getting more questions is you'll probably develop that over time. So it seems absolutely sound to me. When presenting a 14-day challenge, is it best to use it as an isolated element of your marketing schedule, or is it something that you can present as a starting point into your business throughout the year? Um, you can absolutely do both. Yeah, it kind of is both, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. It kind of is. Um, I think with a group programme, because obviously... Uh, it's for Gary, isn't it? So yeah, from a group program perspective, I think it holds an advantage. Like it's very similar to if you had, I don't know, a private facility and you were doing small group training, you'd want them to experience it for them to feel that level of, yeah, I belong here. Um, I, I don't feel like my ability levels are too low. Um, I get, I feel welcome, that type of stuff. Um, I know I can progress here, all of that. So I think it personally is a really good opportunity to give people sight of your service. Um, you could call it a 14 day challenge. Is it a challenge or is it a trial of what the group program will look like? Um, I think in both aspects, like I would agree, it's, it's probably a great tool to have, but maybe it's just a 14 day trial um, of, of the group program itself and to save you potentially time, depends on how you feel about it, but to save you time, 
doing it as a completely separate thing to the group program that you've got going on right now. It's that you incorporate these 14 day trial or challenge people within your new usual group. So they get the full feeling of what that's like. Um, so you've got varied options there. 14 day trial with the existing people that are in the program. Um, or you could do a challenge that lets them see you, the service, they get an element of result in them 14 days, whether that's just consistency or whatever. Um, and it's something that you really highly push. So yeah, you've got a number of options and I know I've threw more at you, but um, I would say it's definitely an advantage to have that little bit of a low barrier um, to come into the business, especially if you're consistent with marketing. Anything you'd add to that, Nick? No, not really. Okay. Going on from today's Instagram post, and this was from last week, um, would you personalise each weekly check-in form for each client, similar to programme design? Start with skeleton model and make adjustments to suit that individual wants and needs. A word, yeah. I would, but I'd make it, I'd, I'd, I'd have the questions maybe more open so that it can be personalised for that individual, if that makes sense. Um, otherwise, you're managing, creating. You know what? Either or, really. I think it's your preference. I think you can create, you know, for example, just taking... Um, uh, taking Jesse's example that she used on the on the group the other day, like that was like awesome, wasn't it? So much detail broken down in different sections. So even if you kind of start big with it, um, you start to identify and highlight for different people what they're what's important to them as they're starting to fill it in, and then just start to kind of personalize that as it as it goes along. So yes. Um, or, or using one document with everything on and just sectioning it out like Jesse did and just saying, right, these are your focuses or having an agreement with the client that these are your focuses, everything else ignore. Um, might make it easier to manage rather than having like 5, 10, 15, 20 different um, actual documents you send to people or links you send to people. One more small question. When creating a long Instagram post, how you space how you space out each paragraph like you do on your post to make it easy for people to read? Do you type it up somewhere else and then copy and paste? Let you answer that. Um, when creating a post, space out each paragraph. You just press enter. It no, used to be like, is you, are you copying and pasting from like a Word doc or? Yeah, I'm copying and pasting it from a Word doc, but you can type straight onto there. It's gone in the days where you have to leave that little dash between your paragraphs or dots. Uh, Instagram lets you just have paragraph like spaces within the paragraphs now. Uh, so you don't have to do that anymore. So yeah, like I take all of my content from a, a Google Live document into um, Facebook Studio Creator and just copy and paste it over. Um, but there's some days where I'll, I don't know, I've got a small caption in my notes on my phone and I'll just take it over to Instagram too. So you can just do the spaces now, gone are the days where you have to put the dashes and dots in between. So yeah, you can just do it straight on there. There's no wizardry to it. 
hence why I do it. Um, go on, what's the next question? Fitness questions today. How often would you recommend deload week, if at all, and what determines when you would need one? Very much depends on the client. The majority of people you train probably won't need one. Um, yeah, majority of people probably won't need one. You, you coach general population wanting to lose fat. Um, if that's who it's for, probably won't need one too much. They'll organically kind of add one anyway. They'll naturally have one anyway. Um, by taking time off, having a holiday, that type of stuff. So, yeah, for most people, I wouldn't concern too much um, for you to do it. Um, but to give you a gauge that if you are, you are to do it, probably in and around week five, week six, a progressive program that's asked a lot of them over, say, four, five, six days a week. Very much depends on the person, that's what I'm saying it, though. Um, so, yeah, week five, week six, and the types of things that would determine that is potentially niggles, tiredness, fatigue, a lack of progress, hitting a brick wall with some of the lifts um, and not making considerable progress, maybe um, negative effects to sleep patterns. Um, that would play a role. So if you're getting that type of feedback, um, maybe it's time for a bit of a deload or a rest a few days um so yeah they're some of the main components but these there'll be other areas that i would explore as well because um say for example if someone's in a deficit and they're still lifting fairly heavy and they've got a credit program and that's affecting their sleep then do we need to look at taking them back to maintenance if they're at either just halfway through the program to give them a little bit more um energy basically um so it positively then hopefully affects their sleep so lots of kind of depends answering and around this but as a general rule of thumb they're the determining factors and probably i would say in and around week five or week six but most people won't need it anything you'd add to that nicholas um you, i agree with all your points on the physical side i think i think sometimes having a having a kind of mental deload week as well i mean it's 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 physical yeah but it's just as much mental break as well so whether you have that cycle of you know if people have been doing the same sessions for four weeks and that progressiveness over the last kind of four weeks you have a deload week where you just do some fun stuff some completely random stuff to kind of kickstart interest and get some inject some inspiration into the training and whatnot um testing week and then or testing phase and then go back into the next phase of programming so i agree with my aunt majority of general pop naturally have that break anyway with the lifestyles um with which lifestyle fa factors dictate but mentally i think it's really cool when you kind of get to that and you've been going working hard through like a four week block of training. You're looking forward to like that week where it's it's a deload week and you're doing going to be doing some random stuff. You're going to do some fun stuff, something outside your comfort zone, something completely different. Um, and then you can get back onto the next. And the reason why I say that is because number one, it's it's a bit of a break mentally from that routine. But then also it really hyper focuses people like they look forward to kind of those that that deload week and the next training block and when you talk about retention and focus and motivation and competence and all that it really does help i think even for general pop 
Okay, okay. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. Next question. Where are we at? Where are we at? How would you deal with a client who wants to only work one or two body parts? Example, wants abs and a bigger bum, but doesn't want toned arms. My instinct is to take a full body approach to avoid imbalances, but with slightly more emphasis on the body parts they've asked to work on to keep them happy. Yeah, give them what they want. Um, give them what they want, but wrap it with what they need in regards to the programming. Like we know that, you know, um, I lost my train of thought there. Yeah, we know that spot reduction isn't a thing, doesn't particularly work to a degree that people or general pop think it particularly works, let's say. Um, so I think, you know, designing that program, I would definitely have kind of emphasis on those body parts because that, that's going to make them feel good. It's going to give them what they want, whether that's finishes at the end, whether that is... Um, you know, focusing the main part of the workout where it's just going to be a different variety of uh, of using those body parts to a certain degree. So again, you're kind of meeting them where they're at, but also giving them what they need. Um, and you're right with, you know, the, the taking a full body approach, you know, whether that comes with, you know, earmarking like 15, you know, quarter of the session just for those body parts at the end as kind of finishes, also sprinkling it over the main part of the the bulk of the session as well um i think that's huge and i also think that there's a there's a point here where um the education starts to filter in that can really really help that person kind of understand what you're doing and why you're doing it even though in the session themselves they won't care they'll just want to focus on like you say their abs or whatever so so yeah that's how to go about it i think you've got the right approach to it Next question. It's a very serious Q&A today. Next question. Do not shout at me. Okay. I'm doing floor walking, but it's leading to nothing. Yes, we'll get to, um, can you let me finish the question, please answer me. Thank you very much. Yes, get to know me, but no one signs up from the back of it. Feels like a huge waste of time. What am I doing wrong? First of all, right, it's not a waste of time because it's building awareness of who you are, what you're doing, why you're there to help people, all of that type of stuff. So first of all, it's not a waste of time. Um, second of all, it's the most effective, in my opinion, way to generate leads into your business um, with social media facilitating the added kind of value and all of that away from when they're not in the gym. So... Please stay consistent is my first point. Um, I would make your expectations off the back of what you're expecting to get out of it because if you were to look back and go, right, how, first of all, how many hours have I invested into doing this? How many people have I spoken to? How many leads have I got? And how many inquiries have I got? So if you've tracked all of that and you've got some evidence of proof to feel downhearted about it, then that's fair enough. But make sure that you're tracking all of it um, of what you're doing and all of that. So that's first thing. Second of all, a lot of personal trainers will go out on the gym floor in the hope wants to speak to people and build on them conversations, book them in for a taster or a consultation. We know, obviously, everyone in this group, that's probably not the right way to go about it. There has to be intent behind what you're doing. 
So if you're out there, yes, building relationships at first on the gym floor, million percent. Getting people to know you, absolutely. But there's a level of intent. So whilst I'm getting to know you, I'm unpacking what you're saying to me back. And then I'm looking to help with some open questions that leads to some support for you. So that might be, I don't know, you fill out my questionnaire and survey off the back of that. Uh, I give you a food diary to fill out off the back of that. We book in a food diary review. I give you a program. I book in a program review. I maybe build up to maybe, um, who is this? Uh, maybe build up to, because you're a you've got a female demographic. I might put on a glute workshop at the end of June and I'm driving traffic to that glute workshop that I'm going to do in the studio of the gym. There needs to be a level of intent. So what A, what you're doing right now is the right thing, but don't get downhearted to it if there isn't a level of intent to drive people into the next stages of your plan. So make sure that you're really intentful. Make sure that you go out there in the desired time that you're going to be 100% invested into it. You're supporting people. You're, giving, you're supporting them with them having solutions to some of their problems. So a program, some structure, some food diary, some structure off the back of that. Them adding your social media pages, adding them to an email list or whatever it is that you're going to do. You have to be consistently go out there with some intentful plan um, because that's the only way you're going to get what you want and need from this. It's as simple as that. Um, if you want that to be quicker and there's a quicker call to action, then that's fair enough. But for me, if you meet someone for the first time, the call to action is a consult or a taster. For me, they fall down at some point quite quickly. Um, they're going to have a lower perceived value at that point of what how much personal training is and all of that. It's going to bring out problems and barriers in the consult. So have a plan, deliver some value and be consistent, manage your expectations, but drive the living daylights out of it. Anything you would add, Nick? Is that a no? I can't see you. I am uh, considering your question, Anthony. Oh, you and your fucking silences. Well, that's well, that's nice, isn't it? Huh? That, people, people are crashing. Listen nice. to this. I'm getting that's complaints. Nice. We're getting complaints. You're not getting anything. People think the radio's. All right, move on. You just spoil, spoilt it all. You've ruined it for everybody, Ant, right? All right. You've ruined um, it. Two questions this week. Who's this cheeky bastard? Um, oh, I knew it was him. I currently use community Facebook groups to advertise my services. Do you think I should be doing anything else in these groups to increase my awareness? I only post sales posts when I'm <clears> launching something, but would like to utilize these groups as much as possible. Do you want to answer that first? I will, yes. Thank you. Uh Mr. Andy Rose, I think you know the answer to that. Yeah, he does know the answer to that. Um, 100%, mate. I think only with you, I mean, look, you've had, we know you've had good success with the groups. So you adding in more context, content, getting to know, getting people to know you via that group, you know, I'm not going to throw out ideas of what you can put on there. You know that now. Um, it's only going to help when you do put that call to action, that sales copy on there. It's only going to help compound that even more. So 100% pal. FO. Next question. I'm considering running a like and share competition. Space on my next bootcamp intake. Far in advance from the next intake, should I run this competition? Is three to four weeks in advance too far away? 
Hmm. I uh, is it no? I don't think it is. Um, like maybe three, two, three weeks away, but it all it all depends, right? It all depends on the level of consistency and how you engage in people and scream and shout about it um, throughout that time. That's the, that's the, I think that's the big one for me. Anything else? Um, no, I think two to three weeks is a good guide for it. It helps build it up. And what that does is give you a gauge of a level of interest off the back of inquiries, because I've done this in the past where we've done it two weeks out. And then let's say, for example, that's not ended up with more signups because from the awareness, you haven't got long to react to it. So if you to do it three weeks out, there's no right or wrong, by the way. I'm just going off from my experience of it. That gives you a week then to um, generate awareness, do the draw, all of that. And then you can really retarget them people who have um, took an interest in the competition because clearly they've got an interest in getting a free space. Um, so then you can retarget them over two weeks and absolutely hammer them in the community groups, email, social media, DM them for a little bit more um, Maybe you give them more context. Maybe it's a thank you for entering. Like all of that, you've got two weeks then instead of it being a really quick turnaround. That would be my advice off the back of that. Is that us? Are we done? Is that the last question? Fantastic. Any any final thoughts, Nicholas? Give me five minutes. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> nope. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is there a question in the group? Is there a question in the group? Is there a question in the group? Well, I need a wee, so I hope not. Um, come on, Tony Park. What's going on here, Tom? Can't get in the bloody group. Seven comments. Everyone's been commenting. Oh, it's Matthew Talbot. Don't worry about the bad proofreading. Setting up a mailing list. What do I need to consider? I'll let you answer that. Go on. Mr. Email. What do you need to consider? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> what do you need to consider? I just think, um, okay, first of all, I think using software, um, getting used to the software is going to be a huge advantage. That's the first thing. Secondly, Set yourself a bit of a, an expectation and schedule. Um, don't overreach to begin with, build it up. Um, thirdly, like anything, planning some planning time into your week for it. Um, fourthly, are you having that call to action for people to join your mailing list? What are they gonna get? What's, what are you gonna provide them? I think mapping that out will give you more direction on the mailing list. So there was quite a few things to consider, wasn't there, in the end? Well, once I had thoughts about it and reflected yeah, well, the question, yeah, well, you're then sad. I came to the conclusion that I just... That cast it all twat. There is a lot I, to consider. I don't just swear at the camera, right? There is a lot to consider in building a mailing list. I think it was a really good question. Being a fucking... Do you know what I mean? Don't be aggy on here. Oh, can I mute you? I can't mute you, can No, you can't. I've got control. For fuck's sake. That can only mean one thing. Uh, Matty, 
Another thing is, is that the content from that still needs to come from your client's mouths and work on, work on um, your titles of your emails because that's what's going to get people to read, simple as that. They don't have to be content heavy all the time. They can be short and personal and all of that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's a process like marketing is and like social media is. Um, it's trial and error. And, yeah, you'll find out over time what works and what doesn't work. Um, I was going to say go and have a read of X, Y, and Z book, but no, I think you should carry on focusing on what you're focusing on at this moment in time. And we know what that is. So keep getting stuck into that stuff. Um, but, yeah, Email is a skill, man. But if you get it right, it can, it can be fucking brilliant from a leads perspective. Um, okay, Nick, we done? We done here? Anything else in this group? I think so. Anything else? No, there's nothing else in here. Brilliant. All right, happy days. Legends, thanks for your questions. We're going to review all of the check-ins. Um, in regards to leads, inquiries, any more kind of um, wins, concerns, and all of that type of stuff. And uh, we'll discuss them later on in the week. But apart from that, we'll love you and leave you. Say bye, Nick. Bye, Nick. What a pr